0: Folks, this week on the Pre Real podcast, we have Pete Reese. He's the president of Real Vest Properties. Uh, he's got a focus on the land business, something you've heard me talking about quite a bit over the last few years, something that we've pursued and we've had some success with. Pete's doing it in an unbelievable way. He's scaling to the tune of like a million to three million to 10 million over just a few short years uh he he takes you through the ins and the outs and how he's doing it and opportunities and ways to get involved if you're interested in learning about the land speculation business give this one a listen it's a good one thanks guys are you ready to bring your real estate game to the next level my name is james prendamano i'm the ceo and founder of pre-real and over the past 25 years i've closed over a billion dollars in transactional real estate each week, I'm meeting with outstanding investors, high-performing individuals, and visionaries operating in the real estate space. These are the people that are actually out there in the real estate game right now, getting it done. This podcast aims at bringing anyone's game to the next level. This is the Pre Real Podcast. Welcome everyone to the Pre Real Podcast. We're joined today by Pete Reese. He's the president of Realvest Properties and. Doing my homework, I felt like Pete's kind of my brother from another mother. We have very similar backgrounds and similar interests, and we're on a similar trajectory. So, with that, Pete, thank you so much for taking the time and joining us today.
1: Well, thanks for so much for having me. I'm uh, super excited to be here.
0: Let's let's just go back to the beginning and kind of a quick roll up, if you will.
1: Sure, sure. Well, uh, I started kind of my real estate investing journey in the early 2000s and uh we were flipping homes actually before but before it was as hot as it is today i mean there were still a lot of people doing it you know there were shows on hg tv back then they were just different ones but before burr
0: was a thing right before yeah i'd never heard of this long after people (laughs) like are you doing the burr method and what's the burr method and then you say, oh, is that what they call that today? Yeah, okay.
1: That's, that's yeah. the name, I guess. Huh. We do that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, we were flipping homes back then. I say we, myself and my wife. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a great business until the market collapsed in 2007 to 2009. Previous to that, uh, a year or two, I got my broker's license out here in California just because it gave me better access to the deals. I was buying on MLS properties. So I was able to offer myself and I was able to show myself properties. So that's why I got my license. And then when the market crashed, I was like, hey, um, flipping homes isn't really the best business to be in because the end buyers kind of the retail end buyers disappeared because they couldn't get financing. So I thought, well, foreclosures are selling, I'll just represent those for the banks. And I kind of did a major focus on that for a number of years. And that was just I was an REO listing broker for the banks when, when the market crashed. It, it it was good because I kept income coming in at the time, but not a great business by any means. Uh, not something I'd like to revisit in any way. T- tough emotional business, I think, in a, in a lot of ways. But, yeah. uh, but I was thankful to have that at that time. I got connected with some great people through that, though, some larger investment companies that... Um, you know, we're always looking for deals. So I was for a while there, I was just helping them source deals and finding them as many deals as I could get them and they would buy as many as I could find. So that was great for a while. I got out of real estate kind of altogether for a little while. Um, in 2017 uh, ish. Yeah, 2017 started a business with my wife an online education business about blogging and travel blogging. That was really successful did that for a number of years, but I really got the itch to get back into uh, real estate and specifically real estate investing. Didn't know exactly which path to take. I didn't really want to get into home flipping because there's a lot of logistics involved with that, uh, dealing with contractors and just a lot of moving pieces, a lot of unknowns. So I figured there was probably a better model out there. Just was looking for it. Stumbled upon some people talking about land flipping. And specifically stuff like, Hey, I bought this property for 10,000. I sold it for 30,000 in, you know, 60 days. And I thought to myself, well, that's pretty cool. You know, tripling your money in 60 days and it's land you don't have to fix it up or do anything to it. And uh, just kind of went down a whole rabbit hole in that bought a, bought a course on that. And I just went kind of all in, that was the end of 2020, which I bought a, a course on that. And then in um twenty twenty one, march of twenty twenty one is when we flipped or completed our first flip uh, land flip, and that first year ended up doing about one point two five in revenue and about fifty percent gross profit margin too. So on average, we were able to pretty much double our money on each of these uh, deals and about sixty days' hold time, too, which was kind of cool. moving our money fast. And then twenty twenty two ended up doing just shy of three point five million. And a little bit shy of the uh, 50% gross profit margin, but not that far off. And then 2023, I'm looking to do $10 So I'm well on on my way. What were
0: some of the things that, that made it sexy for you that said, you know what, this is where I want to put my time, energy, and money?
1: Yeah, well, it just kind of makes sense to me. I've always prided myself on being able to identify value. I've always felt I'm good at that. So in, in in this type of business, you make your money when you buy it uh, on the land business. You're not, you know, we're doing some value add stuff, but a lot of times we're just buying it off market and then selling it on market. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of an arbitrage situation in a way. But I, I feel like, um, but you got to be real confident because each land, piece of land is different, you know? So I feel like I'm really good at identifying value and a- identifying, you know, is this property actually worth what I think it's worth? That type of thing. So that really appealed to me. You know, the buying and the selling thing, the short hold times really appealed to me. The fact that it was a cash business too—like I don't have to. You know, you can do it. You could do some really good numbers, but you don't have to get financing for all these deals or anything like that, which I thought think is pretty cool as well. Uh, just, just really kind of made sense to me. And also, I like the fact that it's. It seemed. Really scalable to me, like all all the business that we generate, all the leads that we generate are generated with direct mail. So you know in my mind, it made sense that, okay, once I get this kind of system up and going, then I can just send out more and more mail, and hopefully my business will scale more and more. Are you buying in
0: one location? Are you buying in one state? Are you buying in?
1: One section, like how far do you go? Well, I want to get in as many markets as I can. We've done most of our business, really, has been on the East Coast. You know, anywhere from like New York down to Florida. But I'm, you know, I'm trying to expand into other markets, and we'll send out a lot of test mail into certain areas and see if we can get gain a little traction, get a deal there, and kind of start building up our kind of team on the ground. And that's what's kind of important for me. I'm, I'm in California. And I never go out and see any of these properties, so I rely on, you know, getting some good people in the area that you know agents and brokers working with them to to help us on the the resale side of things. So I always sell with an agent or a land agent or land broker. So it helps to get their opinion on the buy and, and that type of thing.
0: And are you selling cash or are you selling on terms?
1: We're selling cash. Okay. So, yeah, so I you know there's a there's a number of different models that people do. you know, so there's other people, other investors that will you know buy a property, they'll take a down payment and and sell it on on terms and uh, that way, but i'm I'm always just liquidating and moving on to the next deal. How are you
0: determining values when you send the letters out?
1: Yeah, so we're basing when we're sending out these letters, which are their uh, blind offers as they as we call them they're based off of what we do is we base them off of average price, average values in a particular county generally. So I'll take a particular county and I'll look at the comps, the recent sole comps. Say we're mailing a list that's 10 acres plus just vacant land in a particular county. So I'll look at the comps and then I'll say, okay, retail price maybe is 10,000 an acre. And then we'll back off a certain percentage from there and that becomes our offer price. Now, when it when the you know the people respond, then we kind of get into the nitty gritty because in reality each property is different. Each little you know we could have we could have three ten acre properties on the same street, and they all have different values. And you can't really know that until you really look at each one. I mean, one might be all farmland, one might be all forest, one might be all swamp, or they may be some. Combination of those types of uh, things, or they might one might be very sloped, one might have no road frontage. So there's lots and lots of different variables, and you just can't you just can't accurately know that until you actually look at the property. So we base our offers on the averages for a particular area, and then we get into the details. You know, sometimes we're too high, sometimes we're too low. Uh, so it just depends. You know, some people will say, "Okay, I'll I'll take the deal," and then we look at the property, and we're like. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to buy that property because it's a, it's a landlocked swamp, you know, or something like that. And uh, yep. so, you know, in those cases, we either renegotiate, if it's a decent property that we want to buy, or, um, or we just pass on it altogether. But, you know, and if we're too low, and the people call and they say, hey, I want to sell, but I need this price, we take a look at and see if we can come up to that price in order to make the deal happen.
0: So when you, you're checking comps, are you looking at like the MLS? Where, where are you pulling comps from?
1: Yeah, Zillow, Redfin, yeah, public public data, yeah. Okay, so Zillow,
0: Redfin, the local MLS, you're pulling those comps that sending your letters out and then engaging on the individual pieces. You said there's so many variables, so many factors exactly. that go into value. <laughs> Uh, it really is amazing uh, how how much a, a property can, like you said, you could have three on the same block and, and the owners never understand that, right? Like, well, <laughs> right. well, they sold for this. So why am I not getting that? Uh, but there are a myriad of factors. So are you running title on these things? Like how far are you taking it?
1: Yeah. So once we get a purchase agreement signed, like like they sign it, we sign it, we're both in agreement, we're moving forward. It kicks off a whole due diligence process. I've got a team now that really helps me with that. But first thing we do is we order a photographer and a drone person to go out and actually walk the property, you know, see if there's anything on the ground that would be kind of a red flag for us. We also, you know, hopefully we've got a local agent, a land agent or broker that we're working with. We also kind of bring them in and kind of ask them their opinion at that point. Um, and if, if we don't have one, we'll find someone to give us an opinion about that. And then we give them the, the listing when we go to resell it. But, uh, and then, you know, we have a whole checklist of different things that we do. We we call the city, call the County, whoever the jurisdictions are, we call the utilities. We, we try to determine if it's a buildable property or not, or if there's any kind of red flags that that pop up, you know, asking all these general questions with them. And then we also buy everything through an attorney title escrow company as well. So when the title report comes back then we see if there's any red flags on there or anything that, that would cause us to, to not want to move forward with the purchase. And it's happened sometimes, you know, like I, re- I can recall one really recently where everything looked great, you know, property inspection, everything looked good. And then we get the title report back and there was some, something filed in the 50s um, for a landfill you know, and apparently they were using this property as a landfill. They had dug up and buried a bunch of trash there, you know, this local community and covered it all up. You couldn't tell even on the ground, the seller didn't mention anything about that. Uh, But obviously, that's not something that I want to deal with. So we just, uh, you know, we, we obviously didn't close on that deal. But sometimes things like that come up in title as well. And we just, you know, um, so we we try to do as much research as we can, you know, before we actually close on the property. And it takes, you know, the closing process normally takes about thirty days because it's the title generally that we're waiting for, these title searches that are all backed up. So good stuff. So,
0: are you finding uh, because certainly, uh, I could say over the last four or five years, I'm noticing more and more people in the land business where, 10 years ago i could count on one hand how many folks i knew that were doing the land speculation deal um there is a massive amount of inventory so we haven't seen the competition really become an issue yet but are you seeing that now has competition started to create you know some wakes in the water if
1: you will yeah you know certain hot certain very hot areas there's you know we you know we contact sellers and are like oh i'm tired of getting these letters from land investors or whatever and you know so but i just kind of look at the numbers and cost per deal and everything like that uh so the hot areas obviously when you get it it may be a little harder to get a deal but when you do get a deal it's easier to sell the areas that are not as hot you know obviously easier to get a deal but maybe take a little bit longer to sell so it's a little bit of a trade-off i like a lot of the hot areas um just cuz when you do get a deal it's 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 pretty easy to sell but uh so yeah there there's a little bit of competition out there but i think that there's plenty of um i think that there's plenty of space for others and that i don't see it you know it costs me about my mail costs it costs me about $3000 per deal on average as as far as mail goes and i'm only buying like better property i'm pretty picky on the properties i buy and i'm only buying larger ones i know if i were to uh, just do kind of more infill lots, smaller lots, and everything. I'd be able to get that cost down, down considerably. But you know, my average profit per deal is about twenty-two thousand on average between all of my deals. So, when I just look at kind of the aggregate numbers. You know, it's costing me three thousand in mail for each deal, and I'm making twenty-two thousand on the deal. Then there's a big return on investment. So I'm, um, you know, even if that creeps up some, you know, I, I, there's still room where where it makes sense for sure what are your plans? What are your thoughts
0: on some of these challenges you're going to see as you enter these new markets? I mean, finding new brokers, finding these new dependable people, um, valuing the property. Do, do you have a specific plan in place to kind of make this
1: next jump? Yeah, so we try to we try to establish, um, you know, like we send out that test mail that I was talking about. We try to uh, we try to get like a deal in a particular area deal or two or two in a particular area. And then we try to work hard to find the best broker or agent to work with in that area. And at this point, it's actually probably easier for us than maybe maybe a new company because we've got a pretty established pitch You know, like, we try to make it as easy as possible on these brokers and agents that we're dealing with that uh, we've got, we've got um, agents that we've done tons and tons of transactions with so we can point to that and say, hey, we want this to be you. We want to do as many deals as we can in this area. I want to make it a win-win for you. So I try to try to look at it from their perspective and, and uh, find the partners in that way. And believe me, when we find a really good land agent or partner, everything, everything works so much better. So that's really the key there into breaking into new markets because they educate us on the local things that are different from, from our other areas. So where we send them a property and they're like, well, have you looked into this? Have you looked into that? And we didn't. And then obviously it may be something we didn't know about. We're like, tell us, you know, like, what do we need to do? Like, what do we, you know, what do we need to know about these type of properties and make it work? So the good ones will, will alert us to those type of things. They'll be able to refer us to title companies and, and other partners as well. And uh, yeah, so that that's kind of the key, and uh, we're just kind of conservative as we're breaking into a new market too. That you know, we're only kind of cherry picking the best proper, best potential deals, um, and ones where we're sure we've got good comps. We we feel really confident about that. After we've done some deals in a particular area, we can get a little bit more aggressive in those areas because we've got more information. We know how pro- how fast properties sell and what kind of activity we get. Um, We know what kind of what the area, the best areas are and things like that. So, uh, you know, we're able to get a little bit more aggressive as we gain gain a foothold in a particular area. But, you know, when we're starting out, we're trying to get a foothold in the area. We've got to be pretty conservative.
0: How is the cap stack rounding out? Are you planning to self-fund these acquisitions? or Have you brought in partners? Is there any bank financing? What does the capital side look like?
1: Yeah, so I've done everything self-funding to this point. Uh, I've done a couple of large properties with partner with the funding partner, meaning they brought the money to the deal, and then uh, I split the profits uh, with them when it resold. So it was it was kind of a, you know, one of the properties was 300, 315,000, we sold it for 590. So it was it was a good deal for both of us, I brought the deal, they brought the money, and then we split the profits. Uh, Another one I've got going on that was just like that. We haven't sold it yet, but we're getting some traction. Uh, That one was 360 and we'll probably end up selling it in the 600 somewhere. So I think that those types of deals are good, but everything else I've done myself, you know, self-funding it myself. Uh, The the interesting thing is that in this business, it just like it, it, it accelerates and I'm like, and it's not just the revenue that we're doing it's like our portfolio value is also like continually climbing as well and these are properties that i own free and clear so i've like right now i've got about 2.8 million in in inventory that i just own free and clear so as i sell those i will get more cash to do more acquisitions and stuff but but i know coming uh at some point you know the cash flow is probably not going to line up the way i want it to line up and then i'll i'll uh take on some maybe a partner or something but ideally um, I, I just put something on my website um, uh, a couple of weeks ago about that you know I'm looking for private lenders so you know I'll pay them like twelve uh, percent with a couple points probably and then and then they could be secured by a first mortgage or trustee on the particular property that we're buying which is obviously, uh, we discounted from from retail value, so I think it's pretty secure from their end. They they make a good return uh, as well. So I think that's probably the solution to uh, to scaling once once the the cash flow becomes too uneven or something.
0: Pete, let's talk about uh, the process and talk about the website. So if there are folks out there that are thinking of selling, um, or they know someone who's thinking of selling, what do they do? How do they find you? What does that process look like? Do we have to upload surveys? Like how far do we have to go here? What does this
1: look <laughs> well, like? if you got a piece of land, obviously, you know, you could just email me. Um, best email would be Reese at turningprofit.com. And, you know, basically I just need to know the state, county, and parcel number. And I can I could take it all from there. And obviously, if we have questions, we can ask you about that type of thing too. Um, I've actually um I've got a website too, which is turningprofit.com where if you're interested in kind of the land flipping business in itself, um, I do a monthly income report on there where each month I go into the details of our business, you know, how much revenue we did, how much profit we did, uh, each and every deal that we did, what we bought it for, what we sold it for, how many days we held it for, all kinds of notes about this property. So I've been doing that for a little over a year and each and every month we do that. So you can kind of follow along the process and see kind of what's possible maybe within the business. Um, and then, you know, my wife ha- and I have a um, uh, podcast where we talk about, a lot about land flipping and other things as well. It's it's You can find it, links to it from that website, turningprofit.com. So.
0: Is there, uh, before I let you go, any advice you would give to folks out there that are thinking about getting into the, the land business?
1: Yeah, I would focus first on it's the whole key is to be able to determine if a property learn how to evaluate properties, and then learn how to uh, determine it, is that property a deal? Or is it not a deal? You know, like, at what price would it be a deal? So if you get really good at that part, which is really not that difficult, you just have to kind of follow a checklist of things. Uh, you know, it everything opens up to you, you can identify deals. And you can get deals under contract. And if you don't have the resources, like you said, there's plenty of money out there to fund these deals. I'll fund your deal. I'll partner with you on them uh, in most cases if it's a deal. Um, so that's not uh, that shouldn't be any sort of restriction for you at all. Like that, there's you get a deal, there's money for you. like <laughs> it's just out there. Um, so uh, so yeah, learning how to evaluate properties is the big thing.
0: And as always, uh, all the links, folks, will be down below in the show notes. Uh, Pete Reese, Realvest Properties, it's been a pleasure. I really appreciate the time, man. Thank you so much.
1: Well, thank you. I really appreciate being here. So,
0: yeah. uh, Best of luck on, on, the, on the growth, and uh, I'm sure you're going to continue to smash. As always, everyone out there, please stay safe.